drops. Fast food. The American chef and the onion have been enemies for centuries. Onions strategize their maneuvers from their bunkers deep within the earth, rich with the smell of peat, black dirt, iron, and decay. In the dark, they have no need for eyes, which makes them smarter than your average potato. When torn from the soil, they make no sound, playing possum. Their golden skin flakes away, flayed by the chef's steady hand. The onion waits. It has but one offensive move. When the knife goes in, it bleats a sour music through the air. The onion dies, but it ensures someone will be there to grieve. All right. <laughs> Say something. My mom's going to like that. <laughs> Why? Oh, she's a she's a fan of uh, like water for chocolate. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's that... The, Onions have like an entire arc in that story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she's going to she's going to appreciate that. She actually cooks with the onions in order to make everybody cry in that movie, right? I I think that's what it is. No, uh, you cut an onion in half and you put half on your head to keep yourself from crying. Oh, okay. You, what she does to make everyone cry is she cries in the cake ba- No, 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 no. Yes, she cries in the cake batter making everybody sick. I love it. It's such a good story. Amazing. Uh, uh, but here, let me let you run your show the way you prefer. <laughs> um, you know, I, I prefer this to be a dialogue. Oh, yeah. Thank so you I, invi- you I invite you in. I'm your benevolent overlord. <laughs> well, at least they're benevolent. Um, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us uh, where you're from? I'm Jesse Kester. Grew up, born in Riverside, California. Grew up in Kutztown, Pennsylvania. Went to college in North Carolina five years. One was in Asheville. Four was in Winston-Salem University of North Carolina School of the Arts. Then, when I graduated, I went to Japan to start a business. Started a business. Met the woman who would eventually became become my wife. Fell in love. And I moved back here. We're looking for a higher glass ceiling than what she and I found in tokyo wow and that's any follow-up questions uh officer what does your partner do uh swinky she is a singer sorry scratch that she is a phenomenal singer good good advocacy there yes and you're you're a writer yes oh no 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 a phenomenal writer (laughs) i that went without saying yes there's only phenomenal writers allowed on my podcast oh well thank you for having me on how many other (laughs) writers have you had on your show you're the first. Ah, <laughs> the last two. If if you could call it on episode A, I'm calling it on. Just, you aren't allowed to have another one. I feel like this will probably be my first and last episode because yeah, it's not going gonna, so good. We're going to break the mold here, and there there won't be any need for anyone else to show up. Well, do you want uh, do you want evaluations throughout the program? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I You'd love be a- surprised how often people say no to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I think opinions are great. That's one thing you'll learn in LA. This is, and I'm I'm still a baby over here. Is uh, uh, unsolicited feedback should not don't just don't wait until it's solicited. Yes. Nobody wants your opinion in this factual. Can we talk about Los Angeles for a little bit? I yeah, because let me let me be frank with you. I'm a, an advocate for Los Angeles. What do you love? I love it here. What tell do me you love. Well, tell me. Tell me uh, what you've enjoyed so far, because you've only been here for a year, which mm-hmm. makes you an L.A. baby. Yes. And yes, not, yes. not pejorative, just like no, you, no, no, you're no. still growing. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get, get with the program if you're a month in and you think that you got this thing <laughs> you don't, unlocked. You don't at all. Yeah. 
Are it you is, still using GPS to go places? Decreasingly. Good. But I, you know, I know my way around the 101, the 134. I take the 101 down to the Chinese theater. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting there. I'm okay. getting there. The two and the five. We're, we're friends. We're good. How um, does how does the reality of Los Angeles match up with your expectation of Los Angeles? The reality of the good, uh, the reality of the bad of Los Angeles matches up exactly with how everybody said it would be. Okay. Uh, there's traffic in LA. Parking's hard. <laughs> um, the good of it has exceeded every expectation of of what I imagined it to be. Like no questions asked. This is this is a city. The entire city is the caboose of the circus train, <laughs> and that's where I've wanted to be my whole life. What's in that caboose for you? Um, every. Everyone who had a weird idea of what they should be creating has just enough space that they can create it here. Mm-hmm. If, if you stretch your arms out and you manifest your idea that nobody got, someone will, if not get it, someone will host it here at the very least. Yeah. You can find a place to manifest mm-hmm. it. And seeing, seeing people who... Uh, Look, this the, the I I host a sister podcast to this one called the Hollywood Fishbowl. Oh, I think I've heard of it. And uh, we just have a parade of guests, and it's like a one to one ratio. If if you of our guests of our people who grew up feeling out of place, grew up, grew up not knowing who they were mm-hmm. in their community, knowing that they weren't going to die in the town that they grew up in, um, and then coming here and trying on different socks or whatever that expression is mm-hmm. and finding the pair that suits them and uh meeting those people and knowing those people who were fringe and are still fringe but have a community of fringe people to be with is such a relief it's such an inspiration it's so like you can breathe mm-hmm. knowing that that the, these people exist that whole the whole like it gets better thing for everyone who's in a rural town who's not sure who they are or what they're doing there or why god cursed them to be stuck there for 18 years like just it does there are options other than that thing that you grew up in yeah i didn't even hate my hometown i love my hometown with the very marrow of my bone and i'm still amped to be out here so uh, eyes of wisdom eyes of age uh what how how what when does that fuse burn down and pop when am I going to burn out on that optimism? It, it hasn't happened to me yet. I oh, think so that's a relief. Yeah, I feel like LA is a place that you can constantly discover, um, because it's it's like the enormity, the geographic enormity is just like you can't even comprehend it from the outside. And even when you're here, it's hard to see one end when you're standing at the other. So there's always stuff. There's always stuff to to find. There are new ways to challenge yourself. There are ways to expand what you know. Um, and I think it's socially, it's a very strange place. It's, it's often hard for people who grew up in a dense city to move here because you have to be so active in cultivating who your group is and the people that you know and how you spend your time. And that's the job here is yeah, totally networking coffees, lunches, general meetings, mm-hmm. which means like not, not, just swinging by like hi this is who i am yeah yeah Yeah. are we compatible Mm -hmm. maybe 
And it's magical, I think, when you meet the people who who will become your people here, because like what you like what you said, like everyone is, um, everyone is allowed to be fully themselves here, and there's an acceptance when you meet people that you are who you say you are, right? Like no one's checking your credentials, no one is um, telling you that you can't be that. Can I counterpoint just a yeah. little bit? Mm-hmm. There's also like your bullshit radar goes up off the roof. Like everyone, however they introduce themselves, I'm always like trying to figure out how much they're rounding up to that thing, <laughs> if at all. Working, for example, uh, running in uh, in screenwriter mm-hmm. communities, mm-hmm. the phrase "I'm writing blah blah blah" on spec gets thrown around a lot. Yeah. And that on spec makes it sound professional. And some people have actually gotten a piece commissioned by a production company and they're writing it on spec for someone else. But then there are plenty of people who are writing on spec for themselves. Exactly. And, and then you have to kind of like be sniffing out, mm-hmm. what does the thing mean that they're saying? But I think you can come here and you can say, I'm a screenwriter. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And you don't yeah. need a credit, right? Absolutely. That's absolutely true. They the 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 I'm a writer and I'm writing something on spec. The first half of it is not questioned. Right. This the nuance of what does it mean to be on spec? Like how people are careful when they say I've got a film playing in can or at can. <laughs> and one it means you're in the competition and the other means you're at the city yeah. with a screen somewhere in your hotel room. But like, also I would say like even that is an achievement, right? Like Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Screening your film for a private audience of 10 in your hotel room in Cannes during the festival. Do it. Like, do the shit out of that. (laughs) Why wouldn't you? But there is, there is, there is, people are careful with how they say their sentences that in a way that lets anyone round up who isn't being careful about what they're hearing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That does happen. But, but you're also absolutely correct that there is a, you can say, I'm a writer, I'm an actor, I'm a director, I'm a producer. And everyone's like, oh, okay, that's a director now. In, in my experience living on the East Coast, people were very interested in what I had already done mm-hmm. when they met me. And um, like what degrees I had and what I'd published and um, to some degree who I knew. Because I lived in Washington, D.C., which is a transactional And it's city. so nice to be in this town where nobody cares about name dropping or who you know or getting I, in with someone else. I feel very fortunate that I live outside that world. Okay. But like I know that it exists. It definitely it exists. I, I can visit it if I like, but I, I don't live there. Um, so my experience is, is really different in that um, people care more about what you want to do. Yes. And, and that yes, becomes yes, yes, who yes. you are. Yeah. Yeah. And like what you're working on, like what you're, what you're, the pitch you're building, the project you're just jumping into has a premium on it. Your idea, right? Like your, your potential. The newest baby, whatever gets you excited, whatever puts that glimmer in your eye when you start talking about it, that's what people want to want to hear about. I really love that. Like I love hearing about what people are obsessed with and what they're passionate about. And it's a great way to, to really understand who someone is. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, what do you, what do you, Obsessed with and passionate about. Uh, this is my show. I ask you <laughs> questions. Sorry. And I I read somewhere that you've been very interested in Andrew Lloyd Webber lately, and so I'd like to talk about that. Oh, you read that interview <laughs> in GQ with me. <laughs> Let's did, talk I about did my Andrew, research. Andrew Lloyd Webber, who I like to call Android Lou Webber. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. Um, can, peek behind the curtain. Uh, you, we had some off mic convo a little, that a you, you, uh, you were into Andrew Lloyd Webber in your high school years. Yes. 
what what was the appeal? Uh, And that was meant to sound accusatory. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I can't avow my decisions Mm -hmm. at that time in my life. Um, But I can say that I just hadn't been exposed to very much. And so that seemed... um, It seemed like something I should know. Mm-hmm. And um, it also it was very accessible. So um, <laughs> I think that, you just hit the nail on the head with <laughs> what works about his formula. Yeah, um, I was in a theater, and mm-hmm. um, I remember when I was in the Spanish class that I was speaking yes. about on that podcast. I recently guested on. Um, I I was singing the words from Evita that were in the commercial because Evita was running. Uh, in Milwaukee. Wait, Evita's his as well? Yeah. Oh, good oh. Lord Christ. We're going to go down a very deep Andrew Lloyd Webber hole. I've got, I've been doing my home. I did Starlight Express, oh. Jesus Christ Superstar, yeah. and Phantom. Well, listen. I'll the, get into Evita and Cats soon enough. I think everything after Evita is highly questionable, but like those. Early, oh, and the stuff before. <laughs> the early ones I think are actually phenomenal. What's the, what's the chronological order? Where, where do we start with? Uh, I'm not I'm I'm not confident but I I believe Starlight Express is like uh it's a 70s artifact. It was performed on roller skates if I'm not mistaken. You are absolutely correct. Okay, so that feels to me like and mid-70s. I can't think of a better word than artifact to describe <laughs> Starlight. It's of its moment. Um and then I I believe Avita came after. Okay. Um and Jesus Christ Superstar is also of that area. I would say that that is early 70s. Okay. Maybe predates Starlight Express. My apologies to all the theater kids out there who are screaming at the radio right now. Uh, what I say to you is get over it. <laughs> um, I'm going to, so I, I love the movie of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ Superstar. I love it almost more than any other movie musical. Really? It is wild. It is hippies in the desert. They drive there on a bus. Then they turn into Jesus and the apostles. Mm-hmm. Then there are, Fighter jets, there are men with auto- automatic weapons. Uh, it's it's beautiful. It's the anachronism is let something me, I love. Let me tell you about my journey with Jesus okay. Christ Superstar. Yeah. So okay, what's going on is I got a copy of that at Goodwill for a buck ninety nine. Jesus Christ, <laughs> and I was like, okay, the movie. Uh, no, the LP. Oh, okay. Uh, the record, the albums, and I was thinking like, this is it. Uh, this is kind of like the biggest name in musical theater. He's this is, I, I need to know who he is and what he's done. So I dropped that thing on the spindle uh, and was like blown away at how empty it was of any merit at all. <gasps> at all. Wow. We're getting spicy yeah. on the fishbowl. Is there a different title than the fishbowl? No, we'll use that one. Okay. We're like a hermit crab. We're just... Getting into the shell. So, uh, what did I what did I jump into next after Jesus Christ was Starlight Express? Okay, and that was two for two without anything that could recommend it in any way. Mm-hmm. And I just got into Phantom this week, three for three. Phantom. I mean, here's the thing: I can't stop listening. I cannot turn it off. I've been listening to them uh, like on loop for weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I get the da 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 stuck in my head. Yeah, there's something about it. They're all catchy as hell. Yeah, everything he call me rusty if you. Um, I've also seen Jesus Christ Superstar on stage. 
starring the man who played him in the movie, who could not have been younger than 70 when I saw the show performed. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, the music, you know, it's like disco. It's called a rock opera, but it's really a disco opera. Yeah. Um, and I think when you, when you approach it, not like th- this is a relevant thing. That's the thing is I'm trying to figure out the context where this hit the zeitgeist so hard. Yeah. It could not hit the zeitgeist. There is nothing about Jesus Christ that could penetrate if it didn't have the legacy it does. But when you think about it as a commentary on its own time and not even a story of Jesus, because like the movie, for example, does such a great job of, of making this present and past at the same time. Okay, this is what I was getting to with Jesus Christ, was I listened to the album um, and was digging it well enough, and I was trying to put together what was going mm-hmm. on just from the songs and whose voices were which ones. Yeah. Um, I thought Judas was Jesus, and Jesus was <laughs> Judas. Judas has the best jams, by far. Yeah, and then the whiny, sniveling egotistical brat turns out to be Jesus. This was all discovered when I watched the movie finally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I was gobsmacked at how wrong I had gotten everything. And then the, like you said, the airplanes start flying over Judas while he's crumbled on the desert floor, screaming at the heavens or whatever. Uh, And then I was kind of back on board. I just want to shout out the actor who plays Judas in that movie is amazing. He's Yeah. He's, he's, he's really the good. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that was the thing was learning that this, it was Judas story, not Jesus story in this mm-hmm. telling uh, really changed a lot of my, my understanding and my enthusiasm for it. I still think the music is tacky as fuck. <laughs> <but> <laughs> I, I, I agree. I mean, I think, um, I think the lyrics are pretty good for yeah. musical theater. So I, uh, I should also say, and contextualize my statements by saying that I really dislike most musical theater. Why? I because love I think it. the music is terrible. Like the songs aren't good. They're not interesting to me. There's Which too much. Which ones do you like? Are there any that you think? Yes. There's a very small list. Um, Spring... I've got my, I've got one re- uh, prediction written in an envelope and I'll tell you if, okay. if um, spring awakening. Okay. Don't know it. Uh, Chicago. Okay. Do know it. Um, There are maybe a couple more and I'm blanking on them. They're You're breaking pr- they're, my heart. You're, they're, there's a big one well, that I stand by that I would live and die by. I mean, test it. Let's see. Uh, Little Shop. No. Mm-mm. What? No. Oh, no. dude. Mm-mm. Dude. I don't know what, I don't know where we're at right now. <laughs> um, I definitely hate the musicals from the golden era. Like, um, well, this just sounds like cynicism at this point. Brigadoon, for example. Okay, yeah, yeah. What about Pippin? Are you are you behind that one? Or Don't no? know that one. Okay, that's fair. But that I, it's about like the devil in some way, right? Or like, it's about like someone being Pippin? possessed. That those are things I'm into. So I could be I could be really down with Pippin. Pippin is not about demonic possession. It's a kid who tries. It's it's Siddhartha. He tries a dozen different lives and then discovers that the correct one is to live at peace with himself and those around him Ugh. in love. I mean, couldn't that just be a greeting card? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's get back to you defending Jesus Christ Superstar, which is apparently phenomenal. I, I, Your Honor, I arrest my case. Um, I'll say, I think Evita's a very strong musical. Um, I think the songs are solid. Okay, I'll, I'll get good that story. One. I'll pick yeah, it up yeah. and, and give it a listen. Um, but then, you know, after after that, we're we're talking Cats. We're talking Phantom. Cats, I'm dreading. Yeah. Because 
Wait, he did a musical of Sunset Boulevard? Yes. Yeah. I have a cyanide capsule just for that <laughs> in my molar. <laughs> oh, the, one of the issues I have with musical theater is like, that's a great example of like, we have, you know, this amazing movie mm-hmm. that tells the story flawlessly. We don't need a musical of it. Yeah. Like go ahead, desecrate Carl Lemley all you want, but stay away from Billy Wilder for fuck's or, sake. Or write another story. Like yeah. give a writer an opportunity to tell a new story. And then there's make no them shortage of, of inspiration for noir, dark acting, murder. Sure. This like, is America. Plenty of that. Yeah. Oy, oy. Mm-hmm. This this android Lou is not endearing himself to me. I do at all. like that. I think that 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 identity has legs and needs to become something. Android Lou. Yeah, uh, I I consider it sometimes. Yeah. I I think about trademark it. I it 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 birthed organically because I always fuck up his name when I try to say it. His name is is a tongue twister. Um. Okay. Really? I'll, you don't dig, do you dig anything Alan Menken worked on or is that just his little shop, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast? Oh, uh, listen, Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid, I think are two of the most dangerous films that have ever been released for children. Hit me. Um, Beauty, Beauty and the Beast is a film that teaches women to um, see their abusers as loving human beings mm-hmm. and to stick with them. And, uh, there's, there's no behavior that comes from the beast that, that is appropriate. Yes. Yeah, Belle yeah, should yeah, not yeah. fall in love with him. Yeah. yeah, Gas- yeah. Gaston is a better boyfriend than the beast and he's pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. so there's, there's that problem. Um, the little mermaid I think is actually, um, the story of a spoiled selfish girl who has everything who wants trash because it's novel to her. And then she plots to take over a human kingdom by willingly trading her voice for legs so that she can seduce a prince and become his queen. It's yeah. terrifying. It's a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Prince Eric is the uh, the victim. But the songs are pretty good, hey? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> If you support those ideas. <laughs> so yes. you can't, you can't, you can't come in the back door of this building. No, no. <laughs> that's fair. What about Aladdin? I mean, they're all paper thin female characters in, in true. this trifecta of musicals with phenomenal music. But at least I know you won't admit it, but you know, Jasmine has opinions. She does. That's cool. That's a step in the right it's, direction. Yes. Um, she doesn't want to do what's expected of her. What, what men tell her to do. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm into that. And that's as far as you can go on this. You know, Aladdin doesn't wear a shirt, and I'm mad about that. Um, <laughs> it's a, a little Robin Williams in that movie goes a long way, though. Uh, is that a compliment, or <laughs> or are you on overload after five minutes? It's it's just a lot. It's just a lot. We'll leave it at that here. Yeah. But also, I mean, so in in Aladdin, the story is we have this this wealthy woman. <clears throat> And the movie is telling her that um, she should basically date this good-hearted thief. I'm mm-hmm. not sure how common those two elements exist in the real world. Um, but, you know, they're from different classes. Realistically, this is not a pairing that works for anyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, he would most likely be murdered by anyone at the palace for even coming close to it, right? Yeah. Um, so I think there are complicated, mes- complicated messages for kids in those movies. What's a good? What's a movie? A kids' movie that that 
uh, passes muster. Probably for you. not a single, not a single. <laughs> really? Well, because there are a lot of times they're just expressions of the values of the adult generations that have you know that are striving to reinforce their status quo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But let me ask you a question. You certainly may. Um, do you think that there's a relationship between politics and art? And if so, what's the potential for that? Um, first of all, absolutely there is a relationship between politics and art because politics are art. And what else are we here to do with our art but uh, speak on the world around us? And the world of politics is pretty noisy mm-hmm. lately. Like it's hard to talk about the world without talking about politics. Uh, so what was the, if so, so absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what's the potential for us in as, that? as artists, um, to make it palatable. I think, uh, politics are like a good, uh, end user agreement on iTunes. Like, so dense and overwhelming that people just give up and acquiesce to whatever baloney is, is happening in front of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, an effective artist, a clever artist can parse that end user agreement. The politicians uh, just keep shoveling and shoveling on us and repurpose it, rework it and make it palatable and understandable for people who just don't want to read all 375 pages and sift through all the, 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 the obviously like, I, I feel it's obvious that it's, it's a lot of bullshit and baloney designed specifically to get you exhausted. Politics. Yeah. 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 I think politics are specifically designed to just exhaust the common person I mean, once I, I I am lucky to be in the group of people that can be exhausted by politics. Like when when yeah. you take into account the 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 people who get in trouble for a gram of weed, which is a felony, which means they can't vote anymore. Like they don't have that luxury of being exhausted by this system. That, that that's, that's my perspective of politics mm-hmm. is, is offensively privileged. Yeah. Um, so here I am being a poor artist by just taking this in every meandering direction that I can think of and not condensing it in any useful way for people. I'm just giving you my emotions. I asked you, I asked you a nebulous question and you're, yes. you're, you're traveling through space. I'm trying not you're to, doing great. to fall into wheel spinning, but yeah. But I think, I think you've acknowledged something really important, which is the yeah. position of the creator in the, in the art can be deeply meaningful. So like you have an awareness of your perspective and how that might affect the way that you render a world artistically. Right. Here's hoping. Yeah. That if I think that's step one. Okay. Like you can't have part two without part one. I got my notepad. What's step two? (laughs) Step two is do it. (laughs) Ah, That's where things get really tricky. Yeah. Step three profit. (laughs) That's a million miles away right now. That's not true. I'm making a couple bucks. And once you hit sustenance, it just gets better from there, mm-hmm. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. In theory. And everyone's starting somewhere. Everyone has a day one. All right. I'd love to ask you about your day one, but I had my shot at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in year one now. Yes. Yeah. What was your what was your year one in LA like? Were you, did you come comfortable or like what 
it was amazing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can relate to that. I had a blast. Um, Were you working or was it just amazing? I was working. I had a job that I really enjoyed and Mm -hmm. um, I I was working in arts advocacy. So I was at the intersection of art and politics, which was an amazing, exciting place to be. Um, But I also had a lot of freedom outside of work to just, you know, get familiar with LA and meet people and discover things and... um, it just felt like everything that I encountered was blowing my mind. And uh, the weather is amazing. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I just... I love living here because we just had, what, like four consecutive days of foggy mornings or yeah, cloudy mornings. Yeah. And people are screaming on social media about like, how terrible, how are we supposed to endure a fourth day Those of clouds? Those thoughts crossed my mind this morning. Um, really? I was thinking about how like these two months of gray weather are the cost of 10 months of beautiful weather. Dude, live in Pennsylvania for a winter. I, I did my time in the Midwest. Okay. I, I, I resigned. I, I retired okay. from winter. I guess that's true that, that if you have made the investment of living here, which is an investment, yes, you don't just yes. pop in and, and get your $200 rent in your <laughs> studio apartment and then get a job. Like if you've made that investment, if you've made that commitment, I guess I'll allow it. You can, you can, you can wish it was nice outside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought maybe I would transition into a poem briefly. I was thinking, political- I, I was thinking it would be a good time to, yeah. uh, so let's do that. Okay, so I'll read a political poem. Please do. This is called Poem in Which Words Have Been Left Out. And if you haven't listened to part to the sister episode of this episode, you should go back and look. Can we talk? You, if you listen to it, you know this is the thing we talked about. <laughs> you have the right to remain anything you can and will be. An attorney you cannot afford will be provided to you. You have silent will. You can be against law. You cannot afford one. You remain silent. The right can and will be against you. The right provided you. Say you have the right attorney. The right remains silent. Be held. Court the one. Be provided. You cannot be you. I like that one a lot. <laughs> so I was doing live editing yes. as I was reading, which is my new thing. <laughs> new it's hobby. my new obsession. Um, yeah. So the, I mean, there's a political poem, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about mass incarceration, about the way law enforcement addresses personhood. Um, and and pulling out words from that from the Miranda rights to like create new statements. So so in the form of that poem, all of those words occur in that order. Yes. If if the Miranda rights were just on a loop and you were just erasing words as you went, okay, they would all okay, still be okay. in the same order. Okay, okay. Okay. So there was no no play with with the syntax. Yes. Yeah. How many loops does that cover? Oh, many. Because there were times where I had to have to go all the way through and come back to get a word that's before the word where I left off. And there's the bump. We always wait yeah. for the bump. On the mic. No, don't apologize. It's my favorite part of the show. Do you, have you memorized the Miranda rights at this point? Uh, maybe. I mean, yeah, probably. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be held against you. 
uh, you have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, uh, an attorney will be provided to you. Hallowed be thy name. Do you understand these rights if I, as, as I read them oh, to you? Okay, that's, that's not that long. You have to confirm. <laughs> and if I say no, what happens next? I don't know. I Do get to walk away no? scot-free. I guess. Yeah. You're like, well, I didn't commit a crime. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so I want to pivot. You may. Because I saw there was a Nintendo Switch in this room. There absolutely is. And what it's you, calling to me. What are you playing? No, what are you playing? What are you playing? This is my show. What, <laughs> you want to take this outside? Uh, right now, Donkey Kong Country returns. Yes. And I am... One star away, or one moon away from Mar- completing 100% Mario Odyssey. That last moon. You know are which you, one it is? Are you in the very, like, the moon level at the end? Oh, the darker side of the moon was nothing compared to this moon. There's one moon I hate more than any other moon. Is it? Is this the one where you have to go all the way through without dying? That one's fine. That was what? fun. That was that one, fun? That one I enjoyed. Look, hey, okay, you all bring right. your copy over all here, right. I'll do the darker side, and you do jump rope for me. Jump rope? Over in the Metro Kingdom, you have to jump rope a hundred times, and there's oh. nothing fun about it. It's <laughs> so boring. Amazing. Uh, what do you play? Um, I've been playing Skyrim. I say playing, but I'm actually living in Skyrim, and I leave to go to work Yes, in Los yes. Angeles, and then I go back. Um, it's a, uh, It strikes me as being sort of like playing game of thrones mm-hmm. um so i'm super into that um it's really immersive it's not what i expected i resisted playing that game for a very long time and then my coworkers who care about my happiness mm-hmm. really encouraged me to check it out just a, a quick shout out to those people in our lives who actually care enough <laughs> to give us a copy of of the world ends with you or yeah um, so I've been in Skyrim. I've played over 200 hours, I'm sure, at this point. But um, I do tend to be like hyper obsessive about the games I'm playing. So like I'll play all the way through, mm-hmm. um, unless it becomes so hard that I can't finish. Yeah, uh, and, and I also know when to quit. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, I do yeah. know how to quit you. Yes, yes. No, it's <laughs> when you make me jump rope a hundred times. That's what I'm like. Out. I know what to do. And my life doesn't need to it's experience it. It's just not fun. Yeah. I don't need to do an hour of tapping the X button. You hear that, Miyamoto? <laughs> you bet. I know you're listening. What What other RPGs do you, spoke to you throughout life? Um, I, you know, I only like action RPGs. Okay. So I love Breath of the Wild. I think that's amazing. And that's really why Skyrim is a good fit for me. <sighs> that game, do not get it. What? I played like three, five hours bored out of my mind came back a couple months later played the same three five hours Mm. bored out of my mind it's a lot like when you're when you don't leave that first place that you're kind of stuck on because you can't you can't get over the wall or whatever Mm -hmm. and you just have to go you have to find those five shrines and you have to get the five powers yep yep yep. and figure out how to cook a salmon that makes it so you don't freeze to death in the like it just you just avoid the cold part as much as you can. It was too, like Mario Odyssey, like here's the thing you got to do. It'll take about a minute or two to yeah. do it. And then we sprinkle you with uh, rewards and your endorphins get released. Yeah. <laughs> that feels good. Yeah. I feel like I've accomplished something. Mm-hmm. Zelda is just like, go ahead. Enjoy it. We made this for you. I, I have a real problem with games that feel like work. Um, like being at work and Zelda, I think, um, 
was very close to that at times. So like, you know, the fact that your weapons are always breaking is really frustrating. Mm -hmm. So you always have to have a storehouse and, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the other game that just really felt like all I was doing was working, like running errands. And I, oh, I just, I couldn't do it. Which ones? I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't have that much time for gaming. So when something gets into chores, yeah. it's like a hard yeah. out almost yeah. immediately mm-hmm. for me. Agree. Have um, you played Donkey Kong Country? Returns? I did. I finished it. I, oh my God. It was great. It was great fun. I can't, I, what blew me away with that game was the depth of narrative that happens in the backgrounds <laughs> from stage to stage. Like you mm-hmm. get a whole story uh, from world to world of yeah. what, how popsicles are made in this, in this reality uh-huh. or how the, when the African Savannah, that whole from the festival mm-hmm. to the tornado, to the fire, to it just like insane. Those levels. giant puppet things. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Such a beautiful world of narrative that they, they weave in the background. Mm-hmm. So oh. I finished that game and then I went through and I made sure that I got all of the Kong letter tiles mm-hmm. in every level. Puzzle pieces. Did not get all the puzzle pieces because that there's some of them that I was like, I I love myself too much to invest my time in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then I did do because I had all the Kongs, I could do the bonus levels. Which the were end. they? Was was it? It's like uh, I forget if I've done that yet. You go to another island and there are like four or five levels that you can compete there. Okay, because I remember the Donkey Kong Country's Returns, the first one of these two games. The bonus world, it had giant floating bananas. Like it was very visually impressive and surreal and dreamlike. And that's all I remember. I don't remember the bonus levels from this new one, but I think I might have played them. I don't remember. But they aren't like surreal dream. Anyway. Yeah. You can return now from the edge of your seat, listening audience. Um, My other obsession that my friend Martine loves to tease me about is Puyo Puyo Tetris. All right. And now Tetris 99. Have you played that? Yes. What's your top ranking? Because I might be able to throw down a little break. I have won twice. You got number one? Yeah. Never mind. I'm out. I got (laughs) got second place. Um, Martine came over and played Tetris with me one night. And he's like, I want to see how good you are. Because he sees that I've played for like more than 200 hours. Mm -hmm. And so we started playing and it lasted about 20 seconds. Like I'm I'm like a savant with Tetris. Mm -hmm. I think because of Game Boy. Yep, 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 and yep. So I got very good then. I've just never lost those skills. And I was playing the online competitive Tetris for hours, hours and hours and hours. So like when Tetris 99 came came out, I was I'd been in training for the Olympics. Yes. For a year, two years. I was ready. Also, like the Game Boy version of Tetris is a great one to train on because it's like the dodgiest version. The visuals are the least clear, the mm-hmm. response from button input to when it happens is like the least reliable. So if that's what you're training on and then you go to the switch, you're going to smash. It's like training for your marathon in Denver. Yeah. Like after yeah, that, yeah, you're yeah, ready yeah, to yeah, run Yep, anywhere. yep, yep, yep. Just yeah. go as high up as you can and <laughs> <laughs> run up and down hills and then come back down to some flat place yeah. at sea level. What was your first video game system? The Nintendo Entertainment System, mm-hmm. which uh, my mother purchased used for us. I think it was $50 and it came with some 30 games from, you wow. know, yeah, it was a college kid was moving out of the town, the college town that we lived in and he had to get rid of it all to afford the move or something. And we, we made out like bandits. Yeah. And here's a telling story. So my wife is Kenyan and like I told her, uh, no, we grew up, we, we were at the poor end of the spectrum. My mom had to buy our Nintendo used and she said, that's, that's not poor. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. 
everyone else had a Nintendo, but they got it new. Like, we had to get it used. And she said, that means none of you were poor. Not anyone you knew. And that, yeah, she, yeah. she scolded me well. Mm-hmm. Good. And reframed my... <laughs> Made me well aware of, of privilege I, that was invisible to me until then. Yeah. I mean, those moments are important. Do you play on the go or is it only at home? Like, the, the in theory, you can take that thing out of the dock and go other places with it. Okay. Yeah. When I travel, especially, that's when I'm oh, yeah, yeah, most yeah, grateful yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Also, it's awesome because, like, airplanes all have uh, USB, so you can keep the thing plugged in while you're flying. Mm-hmm. It's uh, usually, anyway. Yeah. Um, cause it only has a three hour battery life, which yes. is, you know, a struggle on the plane. Yeah. 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 If you're doing 200 hours of Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> Sonic mania might not be draining the battery yeah, at yeah. full maximum. I, I'm very excited though, because resident evil is about to come out. Which one? The original. Are they and remastering Zero. it? Yeah. It's okay. going to be HD. That is really one of my favorite games of all time. Um, I really like games that have puzzles in them. That's one of the reasons I like Zelda is because it's, it's action, but then you have to like, well, yeah, it's a lot of puzzles. like, how can we configure this world? Here are yeah. all the resources. How do they fit together? Yeah. And I think resident evil does that, but you know, I love horror movies. And so like, it's the closest thing to living one without actually risking your life. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, you have to like complete these very bizarre puzzles in a creepy mansion. Were you like a King's Quest? Kyrandia? No. Okay. No. Never mind. Never mind. I, I aside from the original Zelda, like I'm not even sure how I developed that interest. Yeah. But like even like games like Mist, I was super into. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mist. That one uh felt revolutionary at the time. It's a yeah. little primitive. The, yeah. the visuals are dated. It's basically like looking at a picture <laughs> for yes. for ten minutes to figure out what you can click on. Did you play Seventh Guests? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that game that game yeah, I like that one a lot. Yeah. Have you done the room? There's these iPad games. There's three of them called The Room, where it's no. like you're manipulating puzzle boxes and opening up latches and figuring out how to interact. Very, very good. Highly fun. recommend. Okay. Yeah. And that's game talk. Game talk. <laughs> um, how did you? How did you meet your wife? You asked my favorite story to tell. Um, we were both we both just graduated college and we got in this job with uh, something called the Heart Corporation in Japan, which is the there's this job called um, ALT, assistant language teaching. Mm-hmm. And we were both ALTs. It's really easy to get. If you have a college degree, you can get the job. So the, the bar for entry is very low. And how these jobs are distributed is school districts will bid on. We'll, we'll invite bids from brokers and the broker's job is to hire a whole bunch of people who are eligible for these teaching jobs and then assign them to schools. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are rotating between several elementary schools. Some people are just stationed at a high school for an entire school year. Anyway, um, we both signed up with the Heart Corporation, which is the lowest paying low, worst everything, but it's really easy to get a job. You just show up if you're not stone cold drunk when you appear you're gonna get stationed somewhere um and they recommended that we stay at this share house out in saitama kind of like a little countryside not too deep in the country though Mm -hmm. it's a suburb of tokyo and it was a a rat awful share house it was above a massage parlor a wink wink massage parlor paper thin walls everything bad about it but she would she would sing in the shower 
And I believe we established on this very episode that she sings phenomenally. Yeah. So I, the paper thin walls, you could hear her, no barrier at all to hearing how, how she sings. So I was thinking like, we got to become friends. So we became friends. Then we were friends for years. And one day she, t- she took the initiative. She texted me and said, seems like I'm thinking about you more than usual. What, what, what do you wow. say about that? Wow. And I said, well, let's meet for dinner and see if, you know, we're, what, what you're thinking about when mm-hmm. you think about me more than usual. So we met for dinner and we had a kind of conversation about like, are we going to be dating? Mm. And the answer was not really. Okay. Like if we're doing... Curious choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, because the thing was like... if Let's we were go d- on a date and decide not to do this. The reason being, if we're... Roman- if we're going to give romance a try, we're not, there's no trial period. It's right. not like, are we going to see if this works? Mm-hmm. The, the, the feeling was like, we're married. If, if we say, if we both say yes at this dinner, we're married. It's just mm, a matter of time okay. before we do the ceremony. Like we're going to do minor checks to make sure there are no ca- catastrophic errors in our judgment mm-hmm. that we were unaware of. Like we hadn't, physical intimacy was not a thing that had had been on the table really when we were when we were friends i've, I've heard that's part of a relationship yes mm-hmm. and if it turned out that after making the romantic cross if physical intimacy was just if we were incompatible at a fundamental level like it just wasn't going to work we couldn't have known that and we had to allow for some room to discover that we did um and we'll leave it at we're still married <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's so you're saying did. it worked out. It did work. Out. It worked out beautifully. Every relationship has its challenges, mm-hmm. but um, wouldn't trade it for. I don't know. Think of things that I might trade a relationship for, and and just chuck some at me, and I'll tell you whether or not I'd, I'd trade this relationship for that. Um, pistachio ice cream. Nope. Um, no. Is that a thing? I don't know. It's just okay. the first thing that came to my no. mind. No. Well, I don't know. It might be really good. Like, what about the best pistachio ice cream like ever Like, it would be made? a little salty, a little savory, a little sweet, a little creamy. Mm-hmm. And, and it really hit all the Cream spots. and nuts go well. To- nope. Okay. Nope. Um, what about for Canada? What do they Like, need? if I gave you Canada. Oh. And it was yours. Okay, now we're getting in. Now we're talking. I mean, my apologies, Canadians. You're more than a bar- bargaining chip to me. However... What are your terms, sir? Am I never allowed to see her again? Can we Skype? Can we? Can I sneak her as as King of Canada? Can I give her a visa? Let's assume that Canada will become your wife from that point forward. And am I allowed to cheat on her? No. Mm-hmm. <sighs> am I allowed to talk to Swinky before? <laughs> you can say goodbye. Oh no! I meant before we make the deal. Like if, if if she might be able to think of some loophole that I'm not. I'm not I, quite. I, I I am not loving this loophole search that you're on because it's really not the spirit of the question. No, no, the spirit, no, no, no. This isn't a question of like how do you think you can get everything you want. There, here's the thing: is there's nothing I could do with Canada that I don't think that I could do better with my wife. Like there's no. If we work together, if we build our art and our social life and our ideas as well as I theorize we can, we can do more than what I could do with Canada. I think that's smart, partly because Canada is really not more than an idea. Yeah. And she's much more. Wait, are you romantically coupled? Yes. Okay. Uh, Long term, short term. What's what's the cutoff? Um, Your... 
your feeling? We live together. <laughs> How long have you lived together? Uh, for six six months or so. Okay. But we've and been I, together for a few years. Okay. Okay. So would you consider it long term? I'd consider it deeply serious. Awesome. Okay. Would you trade this partner for Canada? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Will Swinky be disappointed that I didn't answer with such? <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I just make you look bad? No, 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 no. No, I did all that on my own. Here's an idea. Let's not talk to her about this podcast. She doesn't listen anyway. She, doesn't, she won't know. <laughs> um, that bell means that we are done talking about that topic. That, let's pull one. Do you want to pull the first or should I? Um, you know, you're the guest. You go first. With apologies to you. Do you want me to set this up? No, just ask it. Length, girth, curvature. <laughs> wow. I mean... Would you like me to go back and set this up? Uh, sure. <laughs> Let's rewind. And yeah. Um, contributed by my cousin to the wow. fishbowl. Uh, and she just texted me like two or three days ago saying, I haven't heard that one. When's it coming on the show? <laughs> Here it is. Hold it yet. That's if you want more setup, we'll do it after you answer the question. Well, it sounds like you're asking me for my preferences. I have no further information. There's no information there, so that's how I'm going to answer this. Um, length, you know, medium mm-hmm. is great. Uh, there is too big and there is too small. Mm-hmm. Let's just throw that out. Um, girth, more is better. Okay. And curvature is, you know, every dick is a snowflake. So, yes. But not every snowflake is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> that old chestnut. Oh, that's what my mother used to tell me. Um, now I'm just... Hmm. Okay. <laughs> you answered honestly and completely. And I feel like I found a loophole. Yes. And wait, thank you. Wait. Oh, wait. On... I feel like how I answered that question was not the spirit in which it was asked, but um, I also feel like I responded accurately. I think how this question was birthed was um, a, a friend of hers had, after a long dry spell, gotten some action. Mm-hmm. So her friend called my cousin to report the good news. Uh, we ha- we were having a small social gathering here. And, wow. Um, my cousin was on the phone with her friend, and I think I just wrote down on a piece of paper, speaker. And she acquiesced immediately without telling her friend that she was now on speakerphone. <laughs> wow. Singing um, the, the immaculate nature of not just the length. But also the girth, not just the girth, but also the curvature. And this went on for like 15 minutes that we were listening in on this conversation. Uh, it is the policy of the fishbowl that nothing is sexier than consent. And this seems to fly very much in the face of that. Uh, we trusted we trusted her to uh, to to not put her on speakerphone if she knew, if she felt that her friend yeah. would. And when it came to light that she had been on speakerphone with a group of people people listening, it was a delight Good. for all parties involved. It, there's nothing to be ashamed about. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Not mm-hmm. at all. We were just sharing in her joy, we're celebrating. Yes. Together. Yes. 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 Yeah. All right. I'm gonna reach in the fishbowl. That's all the context. Wait, you can do that without. Ringing the bell? Oh, I didn't know the bell had to get rung first. You no. Tell me, you tell me the bell meant it this doesn't. topic is over. That 
This is a first on the fishbowl. What? I got... Okay. Okay. Please. All right. There's decorum, good sir. What character in the sideshow would you marry if you had to? Okay. Looking for loopholes. Can we put a beard on my wife and call her the bearded lady? Let's assume that you've never met her. Okay. So what's the question? Which character in the sideshow would I marry if I had to? And uh, one one assumption we're going to ascribe to this question is that nothing is sexier than consent and the person would like to marry yes. you back. Agreed. Agreed. And also, can we just re- reconfigure this? Not if you had to, because it sounds like you have to be forced to marry someone yeah, in the yeah, 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 yeah. but like let's let's just say you both sincerely wanted to get married yes um not the contortionist cuz that shit would be wasted on me mm. um the sideshow oh boy and see here's the thing this is I, I don't even think sideshows are acceptable anymore. <laughs> I think that's like a, a relic of a different era. Whoever wrote this is above 18 years old. Um, who would it be? And where do we draw the line at sideshow? Oh, is there is there a magician? Mm, I, I, you know, conceivably, sure. That would be the one okay. I'd like to be spending the most time with. That person is just going to trick you all the time. Ah, that person's going to show me behind the curtain. Don't marry people who lie for a living. Because they can do it very well. Uh, lies. Do you really believe that? Yes. <laughs> Is there a story behind that? Um, let's just say I stopped dating actors and bartenders. Okay. I just don't think lies are sustainable. But do you want someone who's going to try? Or do you want someone who's just like, like your spouse seems like she's a pretty forthcoming, uh, honest person, which to me sounds amazing. Is compulsive truth teller. Love it. That is the dream. Yes. And that sounds like I'm getting some text message. When when we get distortion like that, it means I have to go to airplane mode. Okay. Sorry about that. Yes. uh, Compulsive truth teller. And I'm so glad for that. Um, I don't know. I most of the people I've dated, this might be betraying a certain level of naivete, but haven't had any reason to lie. Like our lives are very above the board. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know that it's entirely like it's it's just not sustainable for one person to be open and honest. And the other people to have a fake life going on behind the scenes. I I said sustainable, and it it seems like you're confirming that with your. It, I, do, are I, you above the board? Like, have you in general? I don't. Is ha- it, I don't have the attention span to lie about anything. Like, okay. I don't want to remember it. I don't want to have to keep track of details. So I just always tell the truth. There's. I, and I would never do anything that I'd have to lie about is the other thing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my test of like, is this a good decision or not? Like, if I have to hide it from someone, it's not a good decision. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I have a terrible memory. So it's not worth, like, I'll get caught and yeah, I don't want to do yeah. that. So I would just rather, like, confess, move on, right? Did you try lying on for size when you were younger? Uh, no, I've never, I've never been good at it. Not ever. And so you, there must have been instances where you like where you like I'm this seems like a viable option uh, and then 
in retrospect, you realize it was not at all. Well, probably. I mean, I'm sure when I was a child, I was trying to lie to my parents about like not having done something that I did. But it yeah, was all, yeah. all very low stakes kid but lies. Like not like drugs and then having no. to cover it up. And no. From, oh, boy. No. Oh, boy. I'm relating to you. you sh- at the end of two hours, I should be relating to you more. Not <laughs> feeling like a gap grow between us. Um, so I'm very good at keeping secrets, though, which I think is different than lying. So, and that's from, I think from being a queer person who had to keep that a secret mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, I did keep things secret from my parents, but I didn't lie about them. So if my parents would ask me for the truth, I would give it to them. When you came out, were they cool or did it take some time for them to grow into the... Took some time. Um, it was, it was maybe it was a surprise and it wasn't, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and... They, I think logically they were like, this makes sense. And then emotionally they were like, but we still don't really want all the it. dreams I was holding for him now no longer make sense. That's it's so strange that like, what is the dream that you fuck women? Like what, what, it, why would that be the dream for it's real? I think it's really that you have a life that's like mine that brought me joy that you, that I understand what your life will be. And so I, I used to kind of liken it to like discovering that someone in your family was actually from another country. And it's like, there's different customs, there's Mm -hmm. like different languages. Um, you're familiar, but you're, you're not identical in the same way that you were. Um, yeah. So it took some time. It took a lot of conversation. And then the the exhausting part of like when you're first coming out is especially at that time, like this was the nineties. So like, how there, old were you? If I was 18. Okay. Um, and there were still a lot of things I had to figure out for myself. Yeah. Um, about what all of this meant for me, but having to constantly talk about it with almost everyone in my life about like, well, were you gay when this happened? What about this? Like, what did you think about this? It's like, yeah, like, I, I just don't want to talk about everything anymore. I love that question. Were you gay when this happened? <laughs> well, that was, I think, a real question that my mom asked me because I used to, I dated girls in high school and I made out oh, with them. And yeah. she's like, what were you doing? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I was mm-hmm. doing the thing I thought I was supposed to do. I thought that, you know, that everyone f- had the relationship I had to a girl I thought that was how it was. Like yeah, no one yeah, tells yeah. you this is this is what you should feel and this is how it feels. So I just assumed you know like a kissing felt like this and then I kissed a boy and I was like, "Oh. What oh. what worked for you about kissing a boy?" I I don't know. I I don't Like are know. there words for it cuz I really like kissing girls. Mm-hmm. But I don't know like it's the, kind of the softness, the I don't know. Are there words for it? it? I I didn't. I don't know that I can describe it. But like the moment I kissed a a boy, like I knew. What was your facial hair situation then? Because you got like one of the best mustaches I've seen <laughs> since getting to LA. Thank you. Do, um, you. do you put oil or anything no, in it? No, no. This is just natural, untamed state. God damn. Yeah. You are well groomed without <laughs> even trying. I had no facial hair. Mm-hmm. And and the person you were kissing? Because I think that, is that not like the biggest difference between kissing a girl and kissing a boy is whiskers? I mean, yeah, whiskers are were present. And that was definitely part of the experience. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, whiskers aren't always there. So it's not like you can count on that. Hold on, slow down. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. Wait, I did kiss a boy. It was good. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, kiss, kissing is never... I mean, kissing can be bad, but like yeah. generally like kissing someone that you're not attracted to for whatever reason can still be pleasurable. It's just not as as all-consuming as when you're like fully invested in in the person and the moment. Is my experience with it is if the person I'm kissing is like all in, it's going to be a, like if you're both all in and having a good time, it's going to be a great time. Yeah. And regardless of gender that, that has, has borne out over time. What was the question? Who are, are we going to marry Canada? Like what was, <laughs> um, we started at oh, you the, marry- side show, yeah. the side show, but the side show, the side show, the magician. You picked the magician, and I warned yeah. you that that was perhaps not a wise choice. I think you're, I think you're mis- misunderstanding what magicians are and what they do. I don't think they're professional liars at all. I a think magician they're... is a person whose job is to conceal the truth from you. I disagree wholeheartedly. Really? Do they tell you how the trick is hap- is, is done? A magician, their job is to give you the space. To um, to conceal the truth from yourself. Wow, that's deep. Uh, I know it might sound like victim blaming, but <laughs> isn't that what we're all doing in all of our relationships? But there, no good magic show um, is based on the premise that what I'm doing is actually happening. No magician worth their salt. Uh, comes out believing that they have made a pact with the devil and that you and that you are also believing that they have made a pact with the devil that has imbued mm-hmm. them with, with these extra powers. The premise is always and only um, I'm deceiving you and you're enjoying not, it. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not able to untangle this information that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. But both parties go in knowing it's a deception, which um makes it a performance and not a lie in my mind. Um I'm going to let this pass, but I think that you're splitting hairs. That's possible, but that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and who would you who, Who would, would I marry yeah. in the sideshow? Um, the nicest one. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> it's not a competition. <laughs> um, what? Well, what I think is most important in a relationship is trust and communication. So mm-hmm. whoever I felt that the most from is who I would want to marry. Okay. And which freaky deaky freak would you be most attracted to? I think the heart of the question is. I, I, that may be the intention of the question, but look what I brought to it. And after all that, all that, uh, I don't like loopholes. When it comes to me marrying Canada, you were so high and mighty. You were rolling holy on that one. And now you're going to. I'm out. I'm out. I want the next thing yesterday. What were you doing when the World Trade Center was attacked? And oh, wow. comes from uh, Dave Perloff, a previous guest. That is, that's powerful memory. What have you got? I was um, working as a residence hall director at Arizona State University mm-hmm. and woke up that morning. Um, 
I don't think I was notified. I think I saw it on TV first and then got a call that I needed to um, find out who of my residents were from that area and and touch base with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so first thing I did was I took a shower and then like broke down crying because uh, I just couldn't couldn't understand what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm not a crier, really. Mm-hmm. So, so it, like, it was just a very powerful thing to witness. Um, and then I got dressed and I went to work and I went around to the rooms where students were from New York or New Jersey. And I said, "Have you talked to your family? Is there anything you need? How can we support you? Um, don't go to class today." Um, also, there. Tempe is right. There's an, the airport is right there. Mm -hmm. So all day, every day there are planes flying over ASU and that day there were none. And the, their absence was like such a intricate part of this memory for me is, Mm -hmm. is realizing that the sky was empty, like no clouds, no planes, nothing. And it was very surreal. What about you? That's grim. Um, my story is a lot doofier. Uh, I was going to community college in Asheville at the time and the teacher came in and said, class is canceled because, well, you all know why. And then left. I had no idea why. Wow. Um, then I found out why, and this is Asheville. That's not, that's pertinent to the story for the rest of this. So I I got called up by, by a friend of mine at the time and I went out to her dorm apartment it was you know like one of those mm-hmm. things and there were good you know seven or eight people there and they were like well we have the day off so we gotta dry these weed plants <laughs> so they loaded up a a tray with um with bud and put it in the oven to dry it out quicker so they because they had a whole day now <laughs> to yeah. smoke all this weed <laughs> And they were drying it out, and then the house started smelling of weed, and they were talking. And the one sentence I remember from all of it was, I don't even know how they got up that early. How do you do that? That was wow. that was what stuck with this one wow. person in the room, <laughs> that they did it in the morning. That yeah. was the, that was the, the hook that she couldn't, she couldn't crack on that, on that, um, slaughter of thousands of people well yeah i don't know i mean i guess they just cared like they really (laughs) wanted to do that that's how they got up early enough to hijack (laughs) these plates it was important to them yes important enough to die set an alarm (laughs) anyway that's just like uh just like not all Ashevillians are like that. Just so we're clear. <laughs> Understood. But that was that was my experience that day. You're okay. I'm, I'm going all the way to the bottom. Oh, I let's a, hope it's I appropriately a grimy. If you found it at the bottom of the bowl. Uh, wow, this is very open ended. If you had to live your life in an alternate dimension of your own design, what would that look like? Who's the... There's no name. name. Okay. Do you recognize this serial killer handwriting? I don't. Oh, wait, I do. If I stared at it long enough, I might be able to piece it together. No, I don't know. Uh, Do you want to go first? No. (laughs) (laughs) An alternate dimension of our own design. 
Um, while I am appreciative of all the things that rampant capitalistic greed have brought into our lives, I think we're good. I think if we could replace that with rampant love and support of our fellow human beings and also preservation of the planet on which we live, mm-hmm. we'd just be that much better off. So that's, that's I'd, I'd flip that switch, which is now at 11 for capitalism mm-hmm. is the guiding star for decisions and switch it to uh, humanism and environmentalism. Like, take your pick. We're going to do a Thanos situation where 50 are humanistic and 50 are environmentalistic. Okay, yeah. And I'll bet we can find a, a good way forward. But other than that, pretty much the same. Um, I was rec- recently watching this movie called We're the World Mine, which is about um, mm-hmm. an all-boys school that does a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream, where boys play the girl parts and one of the boys in the was dead poet society was that also midsummer night's dream i don't i've never seen that that's okay okay it's pretty good <laughs> if you're an english teacher you're gonna love it it has the p word in it so i feel bad wait poet oh uh, is that you just don't watch anything with no i just mean like i probably should know it but i oh okay yeah no you're fine it's it's fine um, so one of the boys in this place is queer and he's like ostracized in the school because all the other boys are straight. And in studying his lines, he discovers the recipe for the potion that Puck uses in the play to make all the lovers fall in love with the wrong people. Mm-hmm. He makes it. He sprays all of the boys in the play with it. Uh, and they all open their eyes and fall in love with the first boy they see mm-hmm. and basically become queer. Um, he gets the rugby coach and then eventually he goes after the whole town, this small town where his school is. And so everyone experiences what it's like to have same-sex attraction for what ends up being just like a, a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, you know, there's they experience the longing mm-hmm. for someone who mm-hmm. won't acknowledge their affection. Some of them actually, you know, really connect with other people and, and share attraction. Um, and at the end, he has to switch everyone back. I like that reality. I would like everyone to have to experience that. I maintain that if everybody wasn't racist for 24 hours, <laughs> nobody would be racist ever again. Yeah. Like once you get a taste of, of, of how easy it is and calming it is to just be excited about meeting people regardless of their skin color, you'd never go back. Well, someone taught them that. Yes, yes. Have you ever heard um, The Turning Point by Nina Simone? Mm -mm. I'm going to send you a song that uh, one-to-one ratio, if I listen to it, I will cry. And listen to it as uh, from the perspective of somebody who married a an African woman. And it it hits hard and heavy. Um, But I I totally, I agree with that for, for... not just racism, but uh, homophobia, any anywhere on yes. that, any phobia. If you spent a day not hating that thing, you'd never, ever go back to hating it as, as your d- default mode. And experiencing even just a taste of the injustice that comes with any of those marginalized identities, I think is, you know, that's instructive to people who, who can't find the empathy without the firsthand experience, right? But it's the... the the queer thing really puzzles me how people can't be empathetic because it's really as simple as like, hey, you know the thing that you like? They like that thing. 
That's it. That's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like it's not like we're trying to explain to everyone else what it means to be sexually attracted. Period. Like, it's 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 so simple. We all know that feeling of being sexually attracted to another person. I know. Why I know. the canyon isn't that <laughs> far apart? It's not that wide. Yeah. I could cross it with one foot. <laughs> That's how broad the canyon is. But people don't want to. Yes. Yeah. And it, it always puzzles me why they wouldn't want. Like, wh- what do you lose by understanding, by th- just like the 30 seconds of imagining yourself in someone else's situation that it would take to, to have a, a broader and more beautiful world? And then not only that, you get access to all the... If you don't hate gay people, you get to hang out with gay people. <laughs> like, it seems so simple. It, it is a win-win. Yeah. But, you know, I think homophobia is, um, is a form of sexism. Hit me. Keep, let's dig a little deeper. Um, because, I mean, in some, in some expressions of it, not every expression, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's not, not an absolute. But um, some, the roots of some forms of homophobia are that you are you are not acting in accordance with your gender or your gender role. Mm-hmm. And um, even though it's a sexual expression, like I think for, for generations of, of straight people, their gender and their sexual identity were the same. Like they never had to parse them out as separate things. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, when you're, when you're a gay man and you're rejecting what a, the, the gender identity of a straight man like that to them, I don't know. It just seems, it must be like that, that brings sexism up. Like, why would you want to be less masculine or why would you want to be perceived as feminine, which are false binaries anyway, um, that are entrenched in, I think. Well, that's like baffling because like, let's, let's just, let's just stick to binary because it'll, as a shorthand, like yeah. I know, I know that it's not the full spectrum, but just to save time of tiptoeing around uh, words, semantic choices, like let's let's just stick with binary, because like masculine, dude, if you have a dick, you're masculine. Are you? Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's biology. Yeah, like, like your physiology and your your gender don't necessarily have to be the same. But but I want you to talk about this because you have thought about it more than I. Have. <laughs> and I well, I don't even know that I'm like all the way through thinking about this. But mm-hmm. um, my own relationship to my gender has been, you know, I've had to I've questioned a lot of it because in coming out and being perceived as effeminate in some cases or, um, not masculine. Like I've, I've wondered like, well, what, like I don't identify with that, with like what stereotypical masculinity is. It's like not a one-to-one relationship. Like there are things that I'm like, sure that. And then like, there are things about, um, like a, a feminine gender identity that I'm like, that speaks to me. And so like my, my my personal gender identity is probably like a complex mix of all of those influences, and I don't want to. I don't want to sign up to at call back to CD Wright um, and that mm-hmm. advice that she gave me. It's like those are other people's expectations of me, and I don't have to apply those expectations to myself. I choose who I am, and then I also choose when and how I express that. 
so that's that's where like questions of safety come in 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 how you live your life in the world. So like there's a contextual part of your gender identity where how people perceive you is how they might treat you, right? And mm-hmm. so that's something to be aware of. But like their perception of me doesn't determine me. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and so, but I think when we're talking about like patriarchy and like the the dominance the dominant form of power that just says, you know, men are better than women. What does that even mean? Like they, they get to decide what men are is really the point of it. And they, they decide what's not masculine enough. Yes. Well, um, I guess when I'm, when I'm talking masculine feminine, I'm talking like sofa chair and then there's infinity variables within sofa and infinity variables within chair but that'll never not be a chair. But see, I think it could be. And that's totally fair. <laughs> that's totally fair. And I'm going to assume that you have more wisdom than I do. Um, I, just, I just think that um, I think sexuality is complex. And absolutely. I, think, I absolutely. think gender is infinitely, I would say it's more complex than sexuality. And I don't know that we've really begun to unpack what that means, um, particularly in, in like dominant culture, like, like you were speaking earlier, like they have the privilege of not participating in the conversation if they don't want to. But like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I have that privilege. Like I feel like I really have to engage with these ideas and I have to understand them partly because the trans community is, is part of a community that I identify as being my community mm-hmm. and LGBTQ. Um, and while I don't identify as trans, like I care deeply about their experiences and, and the rights that should be afforded to them to be who they are. Um, so that's why the complexity, there's not space for complexity in tradition. And that's the problem. And so now I think we're asking for people to make space for complexity You just, I, we're going to have to, you'll have to see the video feed because the, the face you made was like, are we good? <laughs> oh, I think it's like, like my approval is <laughs> worth anything. Am I making sense? Absolutely. You're making sense. Absolutely. You're making sense. And, um, I, let me try a different door to perhaps the same house. Okay. Um, one thing that I do want to be clear about is, um, Within the realm of identity, there is room for infinity. So when I say like masculine, when I, when I uh, when I limit the definition of masculine and the definition of feminine so much, um, it's because I would like to couch that as a as a as an overarching dialogue and get into this this. Uh, much more exciting arena, which is which seems to be more what you're speaking towards, and that is like the the world of identity, mm-hmm. which um, I do I believe has room for infinity, and I do believe is is incredibly complicated, and I I totally totally agree with you that that um, understanding one's own identity uh, requires that they examine themselves in relation to their gender. Um, in, in those old the the masculine and feminine, but I'm I'm by no means trying to limit what 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 we can what we can and what we should express and what we can and what we should explore within ourselves and what we 
uh, can and should allow others to explore within themselves in relation to identity. 100%. I feel like we're like in a matrix moment though, where you're telling me there's a spoon and I'm asking you, is there a spoon? And the answer I will give you is I'm pretty sure what I consider to be a spoon is present. (laughs) And I'm asking you, um, I'm not saying that you call the thing that I consider to be a spoon. I, I'm not saying you use the same word for it. I'm not saying that it's guaranteed in front of me, this mm-hmm. thing that I consider to be a spoon. But I'm from where I'm sitting, I'm pretty sure there's a thing that I would call a spoon. Or, or is there just a utensil? Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. So uh, I th- it's frames of thinking. So yes. like th- the categories are less important to me. I think they're socially important to other people. Do you like how I opened this with let's hang the semantic discussion up and then all I did after that was semantics? (laughs) Because you can't escape it. I mean, semantics are what's limiting. Semantics limit our thinking. So we can't not contend with them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we are bound by what we can express verbally. And that is incredibly frustrating. Um, And also, like, what makes it so exciting to have a poet on because like <laughs> words are your wheelhouse and you're good at them and it's fun to hear you be good at them i'm not good, it's here to kiss your ass but, but by all means how do you define success this might be a good one to kind of ride oh, out on okay i like this one this one um uh so there there are two ways to think about this i think they're it's common and i didn't i didn't invent this but um Happiness is wanting what you have and success is having what you want. And I think those, I find, I agree with those. Yeah. Um, So your relationship to your happiness is, is acknowledging that um, the things in your life are, are what you want, but success is like acknowledgement that you've earned something that you were trying to achieve. So there's, that's a process. And I think happiness is more of an awareness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 You can't be. All right. I'm going to try not to do semantic shit for a minute, but I don't think certainly happiness and perhaps any emotion. I don't think you can feel any emotion unless you're present. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be aware of who you are, aware of the world around you. And if those factors aren't in place, then I get very quickly suspicious of whatever people, whatever I'm feeling or whatever other people are feeling. Like if, if, if they're having high emotions, but a low awareness of self and mm-hmm. uh, stimulus and environment and circumstances, context, um, I don't have much faith or investment in those emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a long way to say I agree. <laughs> do you have a do you have an alternate definition? What was the question? How do you define success? How do you define success? I define success by if um if I've improved on something today without letting anything from yesterday slip away. Mm-hmm. Like if, if if some knob has been tweaked to get a better version of myself, of my career, of my network, of my engagement as a friend or as a family member with people around me. Um, as long as we're tweaking a little bit, as long as we're getting closer to a better version of whatever the thing is. Progress. Yeah. And that's success. As, there's, there's no 
there's no finish line. It's it's an improvement mm-hmm. on yesterday is success. That's a very athletic frame of mind. I have <laughs> never been called athletic before, so I will take it. But it's yeah, I don't know. That seems fair. Yeah, I agree. I and, agree. Um, be, um, you're not hanging your success on a result. You're you're actually considering. The, the process to be the success. Have have we engaged the process? That's if the answer is yes, we're successful. Yeah. If the answer is no, I think that's also a really good frame for an artist to have because yes. you should you should be growing over time, right? Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. I hope to God I'm better today than I was yesterday mm-hmm. than a year ago. And by any like the top metrics, any metric that I find worth measuring. We've seen steady growth over the last decade, two decades, which is a very kind of like business way to say it. But has there been growth in the first year in L.A.? Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. 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 The uh, unsolicited feedback thing. That alone (laughs) was worth this one year investment. (laughs) You learn. I I, like the the vocabulary. the, The etiquette here is so clear about feedback. And I, I don't, not that I've lived in every major city in the world, but I've never been in a city where it's quite so, where the, where the, the etiquette is so clear and mm-hmm. so explained early. And, and there's such a, such a dichotomy between people who just landed here and people who have gotten the talk from someone who's been here longer about how you handle feedback to other people. Mm-hmm. And when it's solicit, and I guess that's part of it is so much of our day here is feedback like it's just it's workshopping ideas so that there is a there is etiquette in place yeah is is born of necessity and it's natural too like it, it all evolved in a very natural way it feels i think there's also just um like an acceptance of humility too that like um like your opinion's not always necessary right that that it's oh, okay yeah. for you to hold it in and yeah. you know yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you respect the fact that like other people recognize that their opinions are not always necessary either yeah even if your opinions are interesting and good and appropriate they just you don't need it right now mm-hmm. like this this project it has a momentum that it earned over time and your good idea just isn't a part of this cloud of good ideas. And that's not a problem. That's not a reflection on your idea. Right. You had a good idea. It's a good idea and a good impulse. It's just not a fit for this thing that's moving in this very specific way over that's moving because of a team that's been cultivating this workflow for years now. So it's all that's, that's uh, probably the biggest growth this year. And I think over the last two, two and a half hours, you've realized that I'm still terrible at, withholding unsolicited <laughs> feedback that I'll just jump in. I, I, I like that about you. We'll see. We'll see if that uh, proves tenable career wise. <laughs> over time. I think we nailed it. I think, can I say something? Yeah. I think you hosted this show better than what? I did. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. You are, you, you know, your way around a podcast, sir. Um, I, I enjoy lively discussion and I feel like that's what you brought. Awesome. So you awesome. made it very easy. And if there were any parts that jumped out to you as as um, unfathomably ignorant, give me time. Like, I'm going to re-listen to this and rethink what you said and let it influence me. But likewise, um, that I think that's why we have discussions, right? Oh, here's hoping. To keep growing and 
tomorrow thinking about things in a new way and moving forward. That's the intent. That's absolutely the intent. Can I ask a favor? Mm -hmm. Before we get out of here, can we get one more? Absolutely. Because I like, I, I like your poetry. Um, I like that you just told me that. Is, thank you. <laughs> thank you for writing it. Like there's, there's little, like we, we all operate, we're all rats looking for the pellet. And in the early days of writing poetry, there's not really like a reward system in place. So there has to be a, an impetus from inside to keep this, like to keep the train moving. Mm-hmm. You're really pushing it. The train's not pulling you right. in the early days of poetry. But the reward is that people have read it and talked to me about it. So thank you for that. That's, that's a real gift to me. But uh, I was talking, sir. <laughs> I just wanted to say, like, I'm, I'm glad you pushed through the early days when the rewards aren't there so that we have a large collection of your work that I, like, I get to deep dive. So thank you. Sure. <laughs> if you'd let me get to the end of my compliments, for heaven's sake, how, how very gauche of you. Oh, I feel embarrassed. <laughs> and right, you should. Now... Now, the only way you can solve this wound is to delight me with one of your works. I'll read you a love poem. But I, I've learned, I, I feel like I need to just preface this a little bit, mm-hmm. um, that this poem was prompted by the old adage that there are plenty of fish in the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, and Do you how, agree with that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. As, even as we enter our autumn years, yep. you mm-hmm. don't, okay. Yep, there's still fish out there. Okay. Um, it's just, our, you may not need to go fishing. Um, and then the other thing is the muscalunge is the state fish of Wisconsin. So that that's my personal connection to some of this content. That's how you say it. And that's what it is. <laughs> and it is really fucking ugly. It's like this prehistoric looking fish. It, I, it's the most embarrassing state fish. I would, I'll just go on record and say that. Okay. Um, but that's how it ended up in the poem. We are not here to fish shame on the <laughs> fish. <pool. laughs> I'm sorry. I called you ugly muscalunge, but here's a love poem. Okay, that was not the start of the no. Okay. <laughs> Online dating. What you pull from the water. What? Um, I really want to close with this. Yeah. So if you liked what you heard, HW Fishbowl on Instagram, www.hollywoodfishbowl.com, and your vital stats are uh I'm on Twitter at Charles underscore Jensen, Instagram Charles Jensen with an E N. And my website is Charles-Jensen.com. Awesome. I just don't want to, I, I don't want to, I, I want this to land. I don't want to follow it up with plugs. Yeah. Perfect. All um, yours. Online dating. What you pull from the water will love you. Mermaids, manatees, a muscalunge, you name it. Mermaids are lovely, but make poor company over time. Their fins end up ruining automotive upholstery and fine linens. Don't ask how I know. The muscalunge, while impressive to your friends, will suffocate in your arms. Your love is star-crossed. You occupy mutually exclusive worlds. Manatees are such sad little beasts hovering near the surface of the water where propellers mark their thick, dull skin with ruts. This is the epitome of love. Though you scratch them, they'll not wander off. They want to be with you, even in silence, even not touching. To know you're there is enough for them. To know you exist is enough. <laughs>